Episode 84 of Fitness Behaviour with Bevan James Isles. Donald took on the challenge. Righto, team, welcome along to episode 84 of Fitness Behaviour, your fortnightly podcast on the behaviours that create a lifetime love of fitness so you can get all the benefits that go alongside it. Today's going to be a good show, I think. Well, well, hopefully it's a good show. I hope every show is a good show, but I think today's going to be a very interesting show because um, I put some insights into, well, I don't know, I put a challenge out to you guys a couple of weeks ago and, uh, you know, I went to this idea of... Maybe one thing we can do as a community or as a group of people who are listening to this is for me to set some challenges for you to go, guys, who are listening to this. And I have to say, I've had some really amazing responses from people, but there's one person in particular who who really sent me through some pretty insightful information around what they discovered in taking on the challenge that we did a couple of weeks ago, so or a couple of episodes ago. So um, if you if you haven't listened to the episode, which was two episodes ago, which would have been 81, and you are curious, I'll probably do a quick recap before I get into it but if you are curious about it you can go back and listen to that episode which you know if you are you may want to listen to it then do the challenge and then come back to this episode uh, there's some really good insight in today's show and, and there's stuff I want to share with you today is going to be one of those shows where I'm kind of going from topic to topic a little bit before I kind of get into the main gist of today's show but I've got to say I'm really excited about the next episode that I'm putting out there so I've actually already done this already but um I'm sure many of you have heard of the rule of 10,000 hours. Now, the rule of 10,000 hours is a rule that was popularized by a guy called Malcolm Gladwell in a book called Outliers, which came out about maybe five, six years ago. Outliers was this hugely popular book. Malcolm Gladwell is a very, very famous writer. He writes, I think he writes for um, or The New Yorker or, or, or you know some high-level magazines and stuff like that. And he's written some brilliant books over the years. Um, I, my first book was, that I read of his was The Tipping Point, which is, again, very popular, probably around 10, 12 years ago now. And he brought out Outliers, which was, I think, he did he did The Tipping Point, and then he did one that was kind of on randomness, and then Outliers. And Outliers was kind of looking at what's a different way of looking at success. And in the book, he had some different theories that were, were really interesting and, and quite influential at the time. And the biggest theory that came out of that book was the rule of 10,000 hours. Now, what the rule of 10,000 hours did is it looked at a study that was done on some German music musician students, violinists, I think they were. And what they did is they, they looked at these students and they kind of tried to define, they looked at three kind of categories. The, the students who became the absolute masters, the ones who became very good, and ones that only ever reached what we call teaching level. They could teach others, but they didn't necessarily have the ability to go to that next level. And within that, Malcolm Gladwell interpreted that study to say that the key factor that created success for those in that study was the, the, how long they practiced for. And in that study, so for example, uh, the people who became masters did around 10,000 hours of practice by the time they'd become a master. Those ones who didn't well quite get master level did something like 8,000 hours, and those became teachers that done around 7,000 hours of practice. And, and, and so very this, this kind of idea of the tenth rule of 10,000 hours became very popularized in kind of the consciousness of all humanity, or at least those who are interested in this topic. topic. Well, that study was done by a guy called Anders Ericsson. 
And Anders Ericsson is a bloody genius, if you ask me. He's a man who spent pretty much 50 years of his, his life in academia and, and research and studying what creates peak human performance. And one thing that was really interesting about Anders Ericsson was he was, I don't know if he was frustrated, but the way Malcolm Gladwell interpreted his study was, he felt, was completely wrong, that the wrong message actually got out there. And that to create human peak performance, it was actually not so much just the amount of time I put into something. And if we look at it, you know, the argument is if you look at someone who's worked for 10,000 hours in a certain area, it doesn't mean they've necessarily got better. And many times they've actually got worse, you know, just because, you know, time doesn't always necessarily mean that I'm going to be good. Um, and Anders Ericsson has spent, you know, again, 50,000, no, 50,000, 50 years, if he spent 50,000 years, <laughs> he would be a phenomenal character. But he spent 50 years studying peak performance. And this is a guy who did this before, you know, a time before this even topic was even an interest to, you know, society or, or to academia. Well, on the next episode, I've got an interview of Anders Ericsson. And he's got a book called Peak, and um, I'll just pull it up here, I've got a little here on my little audio books, um, which I highly recommend everyone listening to. Uh, it's, I have to say, you know, like for me, someone who loves to read and loves to kind of like educate myself through books, you know, when you, when you are someone who does tend to consume a lot of information, you tend to find there's kind of three types of books. There's books that you kind of go, oh, there's a bit of a waste of space. Um, then you go ones that, you know, there's a couple of insights that came out of there. And then you go ones where, wow, this has definitely shifted my thinking and shifted my actions and how I'm going to lead my life. And Anders Ericsson's book, Peak, which is, oh, there you go, I pushed, pushed it on Audible. And uh, Peak, it's called Peak Secrets from the New Science of Expertise by Anders Ericsson and Robert Paul. Now, I listened to this book about in the last kind of month and... Um, I think it's a great book. It's you know, as I was listening to it, I started to shift my behaviours in ways that have really helped me, you know, actually shift in, in areas that I want to grow as a person. Well, I've got him on the show, and I've got him on the episode next episode uh, in two weeks from now. And I'm, I've actually done the interview. I did it last week. And first of all, the guy is a really nice guy. You know, you when you're contacting people for interviews. Uh, and has made me feel really special about the fact that like, he was excited to do the interview with me. Uh, he was very generous with his praise of my, my interview after the fact. Uh, so A, a he's a nice guy, which really helps. B, um, I just think it's a really good interview. And I think you guys are going to get a lot of value out of this interview. And um, if you can get hold of his book, Peak, or even the audio book, um, I just highly recommend it. You know, it is one of those books that for me, help me shift my behavior. So I'm really looking forward to bringing this interview to you guys in a couple of weeks. Um, and if you know anyone who is interested in kind of just improving in life, there's some really great insights from that interview. So again, I'll, I'll, you'll hear about this all in two weeks from now. But um, yeah, it's just, it's, you know, like a, this show is something that I've done for a while now. And there's kind of some, you know, I'm really proud of the kind of interviews that I've got on the show. And admittedly, some of them haven't been amazing, but, you know, most of them have been. And some of the, the level of people I've been able to get on the show are, are something I've really tried to aim high for. I've tried to aim for people who, you know, help you guys and, and have credibility and, and really, um, you know, can kind of back what they're saying. And Anders is a great example of this, you know, Carol Dweck and you know, uh, just these types of people who are kind of leaders in 
world leaders in thinking. And uh, so, you know, I'm just kind of proud that I got him on the show. But I'm also really, really happy with the interview we had together. It goes for an hour. So look out for that in a couple of weeks. I want to share one other thing with you before I get into the gist of today's show, which is going to be about that challenge. And it's an experience that I've had, um, uh, which kind of in some ways sits on top of some of the stuff Anders talks about. Anders talks about this ability to be able to concentrate when you're trying to improve and how important it is to be able to concentrate that, um, you know, to get better, it takes hard effort. And often, you know, we can't concentrate or we can't focus for that long period. So we have to learn how do we manage that kind of ability to be able to concentrate. And if you were to have asked me a few weeks ago, am I a productive person? I would have said, yes, I'm a very productive person. I, I kind of, I've created some really good systems in my life around how to be productive. And when I talk about productive, for me, productivity is not just how much did I work today and what did I output. If I were to define successful use of my time, it would be whatever I'm doing right now, I can be as focused as I can on it and get the most out of that time. Whatever I'm doing right now, I can be as focused as I can be on it right now and get the most out of that time. So that, that there's not necessarily just a work thing. It, it's a it's an exercise thing. So when I'm exercising, how do I create an environment that allows me to get the most out of the workout? When I'm spending time with my partner, how can I be in a space where I can just enjoy connecting with my partner? When I'm playing the piano, how can I be in a place where if I'm going to spend an hour doing this today, it's the most productive use of that hour, whatever that means. It might be in a creative way, it might be in a, a skills development way and stuff like that. And if you were to ask me a few weeks ago, how well am I doing at that? I would have probably have told you, I'm doing, a, I'm doing a pretty good job. Um, I've created some really good systems that allow me, like I think of this kind of overflow from one area to another area of my life. So a lot of people have this problem of overflow. And what is overflow? Well, overflow is this idea that let's say I've got a busy job and I don't have very good systems about letting go of my job after my work hours. So you might work 40 hours a week, but actually your job kind of takes up 60 hours of your mind space so that when you go into exercise that you're kind of thinking about your job or when you sit down to do your hobby, you're kind of thinking about your job or if you're meant to be connecting with your family or kids or friends, your job kind of coming into your place. And, and that's that kind of idea of overflow that I'm meant to be doing 40 hours a week, but it's actually overflowing into other parts of my life, which means I'm not getting the most out of those other parts of my life. And my systems have been very good at creating not much overflow. Yeah, at times I have overflow, but generally speaking, I'm not really thinking about work as I'm sitting on the piano not really think about work as when I'm sitting with Joe and vice versa when I'm working I'm not thinking about piano I'm not thinking about my relationship as in you know those types of things so in some ways my systems have done a really good job of creating not much overflow in my life which allows me to focus more on what I'm doing so yeah if you were to ask me a few weeks ago and said well out of 10 how are you doing I would have probably given myself a pretty good score but then an interesting thing happened to me a few weeks ago. So my cousin, is, is this, I've got his cousin called Sean, and he's a, a very entrepreneurial soul. So at a very young age, in his early 20s, he decided he wanted to be an entrepreneur and, uh, and, and went at it 100%. And in fairness to Sean, he has done bloody amazing in his endeavours with entrepreneurism. Like, if, if, is that a word? I'm not quite sure, but, but you get what I mean. 
he he is a very successful entrepreneur and um and I really respect him for that because I saw him as a young man make this choice and kind of go headfirst into this goal of becoming a successful entrepreneur and you know he's done some pretty amazing achieved some pretty amazing goals in doing that and uh, he knows that I'm successful in fitness and this kind of content creation work and so he started a business recently and one thing he wanted to do to offer to his customers was this course around keeping healthy as customers for this business was this idea of small business owners and one thing small business owners often have is this kind of their health gets neglected because their small business takes over every other aspect of their life and one thing he wanted to provide for his customers were um, was an online course that they could use to help them be healthier as small business owners and I'm a real believer in this because I actually think that People who tend to neglect their health are less successful in the thing that they're trying to be good at. So small business owners, it's often hard with small business because you're having to put everything into your small business to be successful. And it's easy to justify why I would spend more time on my business and less time on my health. But actually, if they were to devote enough time to their health, they'd get better results from their business because they'd be less stressed, they'd have something else in their life, they'd, you know, have better problem solving, they'd probably sleep better, you know, there's just many reasons why. So it's that kind of, how do you get someone who to, who doesn't prioritise health to understand that prioritising health will make them successful in the thing that is a the reason they are not prioritising their health? So Sean wanted me to provide a tool to be able to do this. So I basically put a proposal to me and said, here's what I want. Uh, how much time do you think it will take and what will you charge to do this? So I kind of sat down and I thought about, well, you know, for me to create a video course and um, content and worksheets to go alongside it, it's probably going to take me somewhere between 7 to 10 hours and here's what I would charge for this. Obviously, being family, I give a bit of a slightly cheaper tip rate. So I designed this course and at the end of the day, I quoted around 7 or 8 hours. So I think it was around 7 or 8 hours is what I wanted to do. Well, because, now it's really funny because I don't necessarily work for anyone. I don't really, I'm very lucky in my life in that I have freedom. Like I I don't turn up to a job at eight o'clock in the morning and then work for someone till five o'clock at night. I, 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 I'm very much a small business owner and I'm very much uh, someone who has the freedom to decide what I'm going to do within my day. So for today, example, I, I got up, I taught a class at the gym, I did some weights, I came home, I wrote my, my weekly plan out. I did my emails, I'm going to do the podcast, I've got a client after that, and then in the afternoon I've got four or five hours where I technically could do nothing. I've got projects I'm going to put in that time, but I have this kind of a lot of freedom of time. And so uh, that's kind of how I live my life. But with this, with Sean, I had a, a deadline. I needed it to be done within the next 10 days. And I told him it would take me between seven to eight hours. And because I was charging him for my time, I felt a real responsibility to make sure I'm going to work in the time that I'm, I'm charging them for. So that if I'm going to do seven hours work, if I'm going to charge him for seven hours of my time, I'm going to make sure he's getting six times seven, what, six times seven, 420 minutes of work in that time. I, I'm not going to waste any time within that. And this is what I found really interesting, is that because I didn't want to feel I was ripping him off. I didn't want to feel that while I was charging him for 60 minutes of my time, I was actually only doing 45 minutes of my time. I didn't waste any time. Like, I did seven hours work, and he got 420 minutes of, of effort 
for the product that I created. Now, I was also really proud of the work that I did. But because I had this kind of criteria that I didn't want to waste his time, I, I suddenly realized that in my normal hours of my day, I'm probably more of a 50-minute guy, that I actually probably am learning or losing probably 10 to 15 minutes every hour because of distractions. And when I put this context around a family member is paying me to do their time and I don't want to waste any minute, I really did fill up that 60 minutes with quality-focused time. And it was a really interesting thing. And, and so from that, it made me realize that I allow myself to be distracted more than I thought I really did. And since that moment, I've really started to try to shift how can I become someone who lets distractions become more of a, a thing in my life, or how do I lessen the amount of time I have in distraction? And for me, it's been some really interesting stuff. So, you know, like I've, I've, I've talked to you guys in the past, I have my weekly meeting, which I did just before the show today, and then each morning I sit down and I write objectives. So what, what am I trying to achieve out of my day? But even now what I'm doing is, is kind of as I finish each project, I'm kind of going, well, what's the next thing that I want to be focused on? And then what I'm trying to learn is what are the distractions that can pull me up that would cost me that 10 minutes within the hour. So the example right now that I'm thinking about is like I, I you know, I did my to-do list before this. So I, the idea today was I'm going to start the podcast at nine o'clock. I started it, you know, 10 minutes ago. Um, and I started prepping for it. I probably started getting ready for about 15, 20 minutes ago. Now, while I was prepping for it, I saw my emails were open in my browser and I saw a couple emails that popped up. Now, traditionally, I might have just opened them and had a look at them. I probably wouldn't have responded to them. But I might have just looked and thought, oh, you know, okay, that's good to know. Now, that's a couple minutes. Whereas the thing I'm trying to practice is to go, no, my job right now is to get the podcast done. And all I need to focus on is doing the podcast. And what I'm trying to learn is what are the distractions that are making me add time to the podcast or lose time to being focused within the podcast. For me... Having my browser open and seeing emails coming in was an example of how that could happen. And being focused on, no, I'm just trying to learn what my distractions are and then to put them aside and stay focused on the thing I'm meant to be focused on is is a really good thing to be working on within myself. The the first thing you realize is what your distractions are. And the second thing you work on is, well, how do I make sure my distractions don't actually influence the time I'm doing right now? I'm actually really enjoying this challenge and I'm finding it's, it's having a massive effect on my life because there's, I'm just being more focused. You know, I talk about this whole what is success of use of time and this whole idea of being focused on the thing I'm doing right now. And I'm finding I'm just being more focused on the thing I'm doing right now. And actually, my concentration levels on those areas are getting better the more I learn just to park my distractions aside. So it's not that my distractions aren't coming up. It's not that, you know, at times when things get hard, I don't think, oh, let's check out Facebook or or I don't see my emails or, I, you know, I, another random thought pops up. I just see when they come and I remind myself there's a time and a place that I'm going to deal with them and get back to the thing you're trying to achieve right now. Now, am I nailing this 100%? Mm, probably not. But I can definitely say, if you were to ask me right now, if I go to how many minutes in my hour am I actually devoting to the thing I'm meant to be on? Well, before I had my Sean experience, I probably, if I were to be honest, I'd probably say maybe 45. Whereas in this last few weeks, since I've been really trying to focus on this, I'm probably up to 55. 
And, you know, the aim is to get to an hour. You know, will I be able to maintain that long term? Well, I think it's a good little challenge for me to work on. The benefits of this are that A, I'm more productive. B, I spend less time on things. So then I can spend more time on other areas of my life. So that kind of whole area of my life. It, it does build esteem. You know, like I do think there is something about when I do quality work, I feel better about myself. And it's been interesting as my piano playing, as I think about my piano playing, you know, I, I, I'm good at doing an hour, sitting down in front of the piano for an hour to 90 minutes every day. I'm pretty good at that kind of, that discipline. But actually, I'm probably only doing, with my piano, probably only getting in, you know, 65% of my time in quality work on the piano. And I've really tried to focus on that in the last period of time, and I'm getting up to like 80 85%. And I'm noticing my piano playing is getting better because I'm more focused and more concentrating on what I'm trying to achieve within my session. So what do you take from this? Well, maybe a, a really good thing for you to think about is if someone in your life asked you to do something that was really important and they were going to pay you for your time and you felt a sense of obligation to not waste time, what would be the distractions that you'd need to work on removing from your life? How do you become aware of those distractions? How do you stay focused on the tasks that you're meant to be doing and put those distractions aside? Because within that, it's not that I'm not going to do my emails. It's just I know that my emails are going to happen at this time. Or it's I'm not allowed to look at Facebook. No, I'm allowed to look at Facebook. But that will happen at a certain period of time of my day. And, you know, any other distraction that you can recognize. If you know that as I'm talking about this right now, that actually within your time, you are only getting that 45 minutes out of every hour. Imagine if you were to fill that 15 minutes up more. And maybe this is something that's really good for you to think about working on in your life. Um, I definitely have found that it's been pretty powerful in my life. So, that's kind of my, my first point today. How long how long has this introduction gone into? There you go, 21 minutes for an introduction. I did think to myself today, I'm not quite sure if I'm going to have enough content. Well, I think I think that, that introduction has definitely done it. Guys, before I get into the main gist of the show, and, I, and I'm really excited about the main gist of today's show, because one of our, one of our listeners has shared some amazing insight, which I think um, can really help you guys. Uh, patrons, I've got to talk about the patrons of the show. I've got an amazing set of patrons who really support this show. And what are the, what the patronage is, is it's basically just a, a way that you can help me in creating great content. Um, I, I, I'm doing the videos now, I'm getting great feedback on the videos that I'm doing. People seem to be really enjoying the videos. Um, if you aren't, haven't seen the videos, they are on my Facebook page. I do need to get lots of views on my Facebook page and not so many on YouTube because uh, I haven't really figured out how to get an audience on YouTube yet. But um, you can also get them emailed to you. So, But, you know, people seem to be loving them, so you can check them out on my Facebook page. Or if you go to YouTube, you just look up Bevan James Isles. But um, just saying that I've got about, how many patrons do I have? I have around 40 patrons, 42 patrons who support the show. And, um, you know, it just means a lot to me, these people give me some of their hard-earned money to help me create content that I believe really will help people and that's that's always been my my measuring stick does the work I do give people tools and belief in their ability to move forward and these people do it so if you want to become a patron of the show you just go to bevanjamesisles.com 
pretty obvious once you get to the website. One thing I am looking at doing in the next period of time is updating my website. So the people who are giving me patron money right now, basically all that money is going into getting the website more modern. It's a little bit dated now, so there'll be a project for the next few months. So just for people who are patrons, that's kind of where your money's going. So really appreciate that. Some of the patrons who already are is Brittany McEachin, and she's Mystic Brittany. Uh, we've got Greg the Python Crowley. We've got now Luke Miller has two nicknames. He's got Luke Mayhem Miller and Luke Agent 001. We've got Pip the Silent Assassin. We've got Kate the Perfect One Southern and Robbie Big Shot Allen. These people have been patrons for a while. Again, guys, you absolutely rock. Oh, actually, Glenn Mitchell and Jim and Mitchell, Team Divine. Um, Glenn's a, a good friend of mine and he's recently playing soccer and he broke it. I'm pretty sure he broke his jaw. He basically headbutted somebody else, broke his jaw. He's in hospital right now after having an operation. So Glenn, good luck. He sent me through a photo. He looks like he's a bloody punk rocker because I've shaved his head. He's got bloody stitches in his head, but, um, I'm sure you get through me. He's a pretty tough character, that guy. So again, if you want to be a patron, bevanjamesisles.com and for those who are patrons the 42 of you you know I've got thousands of people who listen to this show so like it's 0.02% who actually uh, support the show but you guys you're rock stars anyway guys I'm going to put some music on and here's the main gist of today's show So a couple of weeks ago, or two episodes ago, so episode 81, I kind of thought the, that I'd love the idea of putting a challenge out to you guys. You know, some kind of homework, or a task, or, or a challenge that gets you to practice a tool that I believe can make a difference in your life. And if, if I kind of reflect back on the challenge, it was, it was a very simple challenge. It was kind of a, a future thinking challenge, I think I called it. I can't actually remember my terms, but um, the whole idea was at a time in your day, probably preferably in the morning, to sit down and think about your day and identify one or two moments within your day where you think you're going to be most challenged. And then within that, the idea is to future think how you'll be successful in that moment. You know, this, you, if I've learned one thing over the years is the more I prepare myself for my tough moments, the more successful I tend to be in those moments. And so the whole idea of what I wanted you to do here was to to practice the, the process of doing that, that you would get up in the morning, you'd think about your day, you'd identify, you know, because most days only have two or three hard moments and you'd identify those moments and you go, okay, if I do these things well, I'm going to have a successful day. So as I look at these things, what are the challenges? And then how would I act in those moments? And if anything, I'm going to visualize or I'm going to see or I'm going to think about the actions I'm going to take at that moment. And then after that moment, I'm going to reflect upon what I did well and where I can progress forward next time or just reward myself because I did do well. And the whole idea was, I think I said, you know, we're going to be catching up in a couple of weeks. So basically for two weeks, the idea is you want to see if you can do this process. So I wasn't even so concerned about the results. So I was just saying, let's see for two weeks. And I think I may even said you've got to get it 80% of the time. So the whole idea is that, you know, of 14 days, 10 of those days, you've got to practice the process. That's all you had to do. And um, and I said, send me some emails and see me how it goes. And now I've got to say, I've got quite a few people emailing me through. And 
most actually all of them i think one person said they really struggled to get the routine of it started but most of them were saying it, it was a really powerful tool and there's some really great insight in there but i got one email in particular that just showed some really great insight and um, i'm going to share it with you because i think there's some really great insight in there that all of us can take from it. So it was from actually a patron of the show, Donald uh, James, Donald, the support of the Explorer. Donald works for NASA. So Donald, Donald told me he likes the show and he worked for NASA. It made me feel pretty cool because if you work for NASA, you're pretty intelligent. Or at least I think you are. And uh, so the fact that someone who's really intelligent like my work made me feel pretty cool. I can't deny it. Okay, so basically I'm going to read out Donald's email to you because, and I'll probably kind of interrupt it a few times and kind of share some insights as we go along, but first of all, I'm happy to send you my summary of the challenge. As I write, I'm engaged in day 14 of the challenge. Since I wanted to get this to you, hopefully before you record your next podcast, I will send you this before day 14 was out. Now, actually he got it well before because it was kind of a month between the challenge but still this is perhaps a bit longer than you wanted apologies now donald there is no need for apologies because your insights were gold okay i'm delighted to report that i completed the challenge 100 14 days straight of accomplishing every challenge i set out for myself here are my observations general reflections and thoughts and including a couple of examples my first reflection is about the actual moment you issued the challenge. I recall feeling you were talking to me personally as if you were and you and I were sitting together and you were issuing the challenge like a coach. I recall feeling a choice. One choice was to respond as if the challenge was not personal. You were on the other side of the world, I could ignore the challenge and there would be no opportunity for you to challenge me personally. The other choice was to take it personally and that is the decision I made. That's pretty interesting, isn't it? So one thing I I really like about Donald's response here, because I'm sure a lot of you guys who listen to the show regularly probably had the similar response to Donald. Hey, that's a cool idea, but nothing really happened with it. And then people like Donald, who I'm sure, you know, from the emails I got from people, some of you thought, no, I'm going to do this. So Donald saw the choice and decided to take on the challenge. And maybe for those who listened to this at the at the time when I put this podcast out, and thought to yourself, oh, I should do this, but didn't get around to doing it, maybe you could reflect and think, well, maybe I, maybe I make the choice. It is that thing, I think, um, often, you know, when you read a book, and you think, that's a cool idea, I'm going to do that, but you never actually do it. So how do I become the person who takes on the choice? And Donald is an example of that. Back to his email. I felt that out of respect for our relationship, he's been listening, he says, I've been listening to the podcast for many years now, I would accept the challenge. I also sensed that your challenge was coming from a very genuine and authentic place. It's hard to describe, but it felt like you were putting yourself out there from a very personal place. Like it was your personal challenge too. Your challenge to support me unconditionally. Which really interesting to hear that stuff, Don. I really like it. My second reflection was a reinforcement of a formula that I had been tinkering with on my behaviour and change. Since your podcast is really about behaviour, I thought I would share it. The challenge really confirmed to me the strength of a formula, of the formula. It goes like this. Decisions and choices followed by actions produce results and consequences. Mm, I like this. So he's got decision and choices followed by actions produce results and consequences. The one thing to notice about this formula is that there is no binary values. It's not good or bad, results or consequences, right or wrong, choices, uh, decision or choices. They are agnostic. For the challenge, 
I first made a decision to actually do the challenge. Then I had to make choices. Not only what challenge would I accept, but what trade-offs would I have to make to succeed in doing the challenge? What would I have to give up in order to make room for the actions I needed to do? All of this is well and good, but nothing, absolutely nothing will come or change or anything without action. A behavior change has to happen. And this is really interesting what he's saying here is, you know, that, that these decisions and choices that I have to make, the, the action is the key to produce the results and consequences that I desire. Um, where am I? Um, when you change a behavior or take action, there will be a result. It is possible that the result is no change. That is still a result. So one cannot say, well, I did this and that and I got no results. No, actually you did get a result. The result was no obvious change. I say obvious because I believe your body and your cells are always impacted by your behaviors. So if you change your behavior, then that is registered somewhere in your body. You just may not notice it. The final outcome is consequences. Behavior change has consequences physically, psychologically, socially, emotionally. Some consequences are small, some are large, some have great impact, some slight. So the Bevan challenge, and he called it BC, which I kind of like, uh, had the following results. I became more confident in my ability to set clear objectives within the framework of what you had labelled black and white goals. Namely, my real goal was to complete the challenge 100% no matter what. I am very proud that I did just that 100%. Actually, I'll give myself an A+, because on all challenge days, I did more than one specific challenge. There was always a main challenge, one that was going to be absolute black and white committed to doing. Knowing that my main goal was to do that challenge 100%, I became more aware of what I was choosing and how I languaged the challenge so I wouldn't set myself up for failure. For example, I did not challenge myself to run 10 miles knowing full well I wasn't physically prepared to do that. The next challenge days were the ones where roadblocks and barriers magically appeared almost as soon as I declared an intention to accomplish a challenge and, I, and somehow I overcame them and completed the challenge anyway. I realized that what made these challenges more gratifying was that I had made a personal commitment to do them and the question really was, am I going to keep to my word and to myself and accomplish this challenge no matter what? I made the decision, yes, I wanted to keep my word. So it's real interesting listening to what Don was talking about here that, that he kind of set his bar high and, and you know he was realistic this kind of idea of 10 miles is not realistic so you know I want to set the right challenges they need to be challenging but at the same time I've got to be realistic but then also these days where maybe I couldn't foresee this whole idea of I'm still committed to working through this challenge and I want to keep this word this kind of I'm going to make the decision of keep moving towards this challenge which um, I imagine Donald found really rewarding. The one difference between BC, again BC is Bevan's challenge, and just setting daily goals or making a to-do list is your coaching about mind scanning your body and doing the future thinking of the challenge and the actions I would take to accomplish the task. The secret source difference for me was this. Now this is, this is I think, this with Donald it's amazing insight. Early in the morning I would make time to do the challenge and usually before I would get out of bed. Instead of immediately thinking about the challenge, I would just deep breathe, lay still in bed, and allow the challenge that was lurking in my soul to bubble up and emerge into my consciousness. 
And if I was honest with myself, I knew that what bubbled up was probably the real challenge that I needed to do. My soul knew the truth. Usually, my cue that it was the real challenge and it was true was that I reacted instinctively, again, not thoughtfully, with a bit of a gulp. Like, oh crap, that challenge for today. Now, Donald's added to the BC challenge here, to the Bevan challenge here, because to me, allowing this kind of idea of sitting in a place where I just allow calmness within myself is really interesting. And to not go into it, to go, here's what I think is going to be the challenge today, is to almost find a space, like you said, I lay in bed still, taking deep breaths. And I allowed the challenge that was lurking in my soul to bubble up and emerge into my consciousness. Now that's that's really fascinating, isn't it? That's, that's really interesting. And the challenge came up and he said, you know, it was instinctive because there was this moment like, holy crap, this is it. I'll give you one specific example back to his email here. On day four of the BC challenge, I was in bed and took a deep breath and I immediately knew what my challenge was. I'd had a very difficult interaction with a colleague. The day before, we'd had had a very uncomfortable and intense meeting that didn't end very well. As a senior leader in my organisation and two levels above this person, I had to swallow my pride and push my ego aside and apologise at the end of our encounter. I did at the time of the altercation and I followed up that night in writing but afterwards I was still absolutely steaming mad about what hadn't transpired. I felt sandbagged by the end of the day, some impromptu meeting he had requested. I was tired from a recent long trip home and felt berated. This didn't sit well with me. There emerged an instant cold war and that morning when I lay still, the challenge that immediately bubbled up was that I had to go to my colleague's office and speak to him. Ask him if he received my apology letter and reaffirm my regrets for my behaviour. I had to totally take complete 100% responsibility for what had happened. That's what leaders have to do. Now, it's interesting, in the mentoring work I do, that that moment that Donald had, that moment where I have to have the hard conversation is almost the, one of the hardest things people have to do in their life. And, and it's one of the reasons lots of people never become great leaders. It's also one of the reasons lots of people get walked over because they don't have the hard conversation when they know they need to stand up for themselves. But in that moment where Donald had his bubble up period, he knew deep down in himself that that was the challenge for his day. And... and that's what being a great leader meant. The result was that the temperature dropped. Oh, he's got a big word here. I might have to do this one. Precipitously. Precipitously. Oh, I got it right. <laughs> I'm not a very good reader team, so I'm pretty proud of the fact I, I did my see, I did my search here. Um, um, the result was that the temperature I dropped precipitously, which I mentioned pretty quickly, uh, in the office, and I was able to move on with my responsibilities without carrying the weight of this upset. I am not sure I would have done what I had done if it had not been for the power of the challenge. I listened to my heart the challenge that bubbled up, I made the decision to accept it and I took the action by speaking to him. My head didn't want to do it, but I made the commitment and I wanted to keep my word. The result was that the incident didn't become itself become a barrier for executing my responsibilities that week. Finally, on each challenge day, I was able to, pr uh, I always had a primary challenge. The thing that bubbled up when I took a deep breath and just listened. 
I also made sure that I had a health and well-being set of challenges. Initially, those were ones that immediately bubbled up, like stretching in the morning since I knew I needed to do that, make a habit of doing that. And I usually had other things, work or personal, that seemed to just bubble up as things that needed to be accomplished. I also made sure I did the reflections at the end of the day. Again, I used the strategy of trying not to think about my reflections, but to allow the reflections to bubble up. I believe that if I did it that, then it meant that it were more authentic and probably true. In conclusion, I am very appreciative of this challenge and opportunity. It comes at a great time in my life where I am generally recommitting myself to a culture of health and well-being in times of great personal and physical challenge. I had been doing well and then had an unexpected medical issue that had made it impossible to keep up my physical program. I allowed myself to sit mentally and the consequences were that after losing 60 pounds, I woke up one day and noticed that I had put another 20 pounds back on. Still reeling from my medical issues, I was challenge to refocus my attention on my eating to do as much physically as my doctors advise and fortunately I have a medical procedure in August that should allow me to increase my physical intensity. So the challenge has given me a new tool to move forward with quoting one Mr Bevan to be a better version of myself. Now man there's so much insight there from Donald isn't there and and, and I'm sure everyone listening to write this, this right now is really inspired. Um really inspired by what the insights Donald has given us here. For me, there's some really big take-homes here. He made the commitment. You know, he didn't just listen to the show a couple weeks ago, a couple episodes ago, and go, oh, that's a cool idea, I should try this. He decided, no, I'm going to make a commitment. He he wisely decided, I need to be really wise about how I choose the challenge. Um, but he also made the commitment that I want to face this at the higher level so um, when it gets tough I'm going to move I'm going to turn towards it I'm not going to move away from it one of the insights that I loved and and I've really been kind of trying to implement into my kind of daily thinking patterns is this whole idea of trusting myself to find the right challenge trust that bubbling up kind of thing not to kind of just go and searching just to calm yourself and allow the challenge to pop up and to me that's that's Amazing insight there, Donald. You don't have to explore it, and you've definitely explored this to another level. Um, from there, then putting these kind of future thinking strategies in place. And you can just really tell from Donald's email the, the insight that he's gained um, in there. And then, and, and then, you know, practice it and then reflect afterwards. And even then, afterwards, he went to this whole idea of allow going up to that bubbling up kind of philosophy to find the reflections within it. Now, the reflection afterwards is really important because, you know, I'm sure Donald will be able to attest to this, that what he was able to do was he was able to, um, he would find the right reflection and then he would find strategies for the next time he did his future thinking in that area there. Now, I can guarantee, now Donald, you know, that better version of himself, I can guarantee Donald that, that 14 days Donald's a wiser person because he did that. And the challenge I have for Donald, and I am talking to you directly right now, Donald, is to learn that this is how I should live my life. That this process, you know, this process of that I've created in my days, the thing I need to learn is when I'm not doing it, I'm slipping away from that better version of myself. And that's the thing with great tools, is that I learn that great tools keep me in a great place. So when I'm not doing my tools, I notice that I start to slip. So the job is not to be mean to myself, it's just to go, I need to go back to my tools. One of the most powerful things 
about Donald. There's so many powerful things about Donald's experience. But one thing I love about the the, the thing that Donald had, so we maybe call it the BCD Donald, you know, <laughs> so we had your name to it, um, is this whole idea of he trusted himself. And one thing I've learned with a lot of my mentoring work with a lot of my clients is a lot of people just don't trust themselves. They 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 second guess themselves. They doubt themselves. They think they're doing things wrong all the time. And um, and often for that reason they're never working on the right thing. You know, you've, I've said this a million times on this podcast: is how do I know the right wall is the wall I'm climbing up is going up the right wall? And often that comes from not really knowing yourself and not trusting yourself and chasing other people's dreams or or your society's dreams and ambitions. But actually, if I were to, to know myself and trust myself, what wall would I climb up? And this kind of Donald's bubbling up theory is just saying, I trust myself to find what's right for me. And then when I think about future thinking through my day, I'm going to find the right thing for me to be working on. And Donald's experience has taught him how to be a better leader. It's taught him about a higher version of himself. He's healthier. He has, has you know, if we, if we go back to his kind of his philosophy, what was it? Decisions and choices followed by actions produce results and consequences. And the results and consequences Donald is experiencing, I imagine, are huge in a multifaceted way. So um, if I'm going to go back to the challenge, I think Donald has reinforced this is a great challenge. And as we go back to that moment in his email where he said, I took this as a challenge that Bevan, you know, the guy you're listening to right now on his podcast was talking directly to me. Well, I am talking directly to you right now. And I am challenging you to go to a level maybe that Donald took. Because you probably listened to the show a couple episodes ago and you thought that's a cool idea. But did you do it? And look at what doing this, if you can, you know, achieve this challenge, what that can open you up to in your life. So take on my challenge, make the commitment. And then if you want more insights to share, you know, Donald's bubble up theory is, is one that I think is really great. Practice that. Let me know, because this is something maybe we can all work on to that has this a process that we can evolve to levels that, um, you know, helps all of us, you know, this audience, this community of people who listen to this podcast get to that better version of ourselves. Radio team, that's the main gist of today's show. And um, I want to share some little insights on a personal level around today's show. Um... You know, if you've listened to the show for a while, that one thing I've always tried to work on within myself is my ability to read out loud. And if you are someone who listens to I Am Talk, which is my other podcast, if you go, you know, this show's been going for 10 years ago now. If you go back and you listen to the shows that I did earlier on, um, my reading out loud was kind of embarrassing. Like I, I probably couldn't have read a line without stuffing it up. Um, and... Uh, it was kind of an embarrassment for me. And I lived in that place within myself where I just thought I was a bad reader and a bad, you know, and I just, I could never read. Um, and one thing I'm trying to work on in myself right now is my ability to read out loud. 
it's something I'm really, you know, I'm actually trying to practice every day. I don't want to have this label of I can't read out loud or I, you know, I'm not very good at reading out loud. I, I, I want to be able to be a person who can read out loud well. And one thing I discovered when I really identified this is an area I want to work on, instead of saying I can't read out loud and shutting myself off, what I discovered is that I'm not a very good person at looking ahead when I'm reading. Also, one of my faults as a person is that I always want to do things fast, and so I tend to rush. And so when I traditionally read, um, I would be in a place where I felt insecure I was looking at the words that I was reading as I'm hitting them, not looking ahead. And I would feel panicked because I was trying to rush things. So when I identified what are those key places, I, you know, things I need to work on within myself, well, those are the areas I'm trying to work on as I practice my reading. Now, I've got to be honest, I did stop, I think, twice when I read that email out. So pretty much, you know, that whole email, which is kind of a three pages long email, um, I did have to stop a couple of times because I made a couple of little errors. And traditionally, what I would have done in that place is I would have beaten myself up. Oh, you're not a very good reader. But instead, I just thought, well, what went wrong? I, I was speeding up a little bit and I started to not look ahead. Now you also notice I, I, you know, I, I put that moment in where I didn't know how to say that word, and I used the Apple little thing that helps me figure that out, and I was kind of, you know, I was kind of proud of the fact that I kind of mainly got it right because again, reading's not my strength. But the reason I want to share this with you guys is not that I well I do feel good about this because this is something I'm working on, but it just goes back to that thing of in the areas where we feel weak. Don't think you're bad at this area. Figure out what you need to work on and practice working on it. And um, I'm, I'm trying to be someone who's a little bit more sharing in the things I'm proud of. Not because I want you to think I'm a rock star, but I want to share insights. But also I think it's important we're allowed to feel good about these things. Like if the guy who started a podcast 10 years ago doing triathlon, who when he got an email, almost always passed it over to his partner, or had to read it and it was kind of a bit of a mess, could listen to the guy who read that email there, he would be proud of, that memory reading that out. And when we have these moments where we work on something we know we need to work on, and we do do it, we are allowed to feel good about ourselves. So I just want to share to you that, that this email, you know, was a big task for me. Um, and But it allowed me an opportunity to be able to practice reading out loud to you guys. And me to actually practice, not just reading out loud, the things I need to focus on. Looking ahead. Slowing down those types of things and it's something you know ultimately what I want to be able to do is my next level is to be able to read out loud in front of people in ways that um, you know that I can continue on because if I were to do that non-stop you know Millie I did stuff up twice today now I, I would have handled it well but it is interesting when I stuff up in these situations it's okay because I can pause but traditionally what I would have done if it's, let's say I was reading that out to you guys traditionally what I would have done is I would have panicked a little bit and then got a bit stumbled and then from there onwards, it probably would have been all over the place. And the thing I need to learn is practice my thing. But if I do feel a little bit panicked, just breathe, find my space, take my time and get back on the process I want to be practicing on. So as I share this with you guys today, and, and obviously this is always, I always laugh because it's meant to be a fitness podcast, but it's, in many ways it's not. But, um, you know, what about your fitness? Where are these little areas where 
you can practice on. It's interesting, I'm working with a client right now and he's a busy business person and he has some some behaviours around drinking. No, he's not an alcoholic or anything like that, but he just drinks a bit too much and exercise gets neglected. And, and what we, he, he basically does a couple of boxing sessions a week, which he's really disciplined with, but he does want to get into running, but he lacks discipline and it's kind of, it's a well-intended thing that never happens. And so what we've worked on for him is, what does it take for you to get out the door? And for the last couple of sessions, all we're working on is how do you become great at getting out the door? And we've learned the bits that he needs to practice. We've learned, okay, well, this bit here is not working for you because, you know, you know you're not doing it right there. And, and we're creating this process of how does he get out the door? And, and at this stage, we're saying, well, I don't even care what you do when you get out the door. As long as you get out the door, how do you become great at getting out the door in all situations? So if it's a wet day, how do you get out the door? And, and what we're looking at is, what's the thing you need to practice to get out the door? And again, how do we reinforce that? Because we know that once he gets out the door, we can, we can grow his exercise path. And it's really interesting watching this guy make progress and practicing getting out the door. And when you think about your exercise experience, um... I think you'll probably find that if you really identify the small things you need to work on, maybe it is getting out the door, maybe it's something to do with intensity, maybe it is um, getting, you know, I'm not quite sure what it'll be for you, but if you can find these things and practice the right thing, then you will get to a level where you're building confidence in that area. And while I still see there's a long way for me to go to get to a level where I'm totally real and a great reader out there, not just as in I don't stuff up, but as in I can express really well when I read, um, these steps I take allow me to move towards that. And when you think about your exercise experience, that's something you can do if you take the right approach. So I know these little sharing bits I'm having recently are, you know, obviously a little about me feeling good about myself, but it's also, I think there's some really good insight in there. Lastly, I'm going to wrap things up very quickly. I know it's getting pretty long in the show, but um, I am going to change the name of the podcast to the Bevan James Isles Show, the Fitness Behaviour Podcast. It may happen this episode. It may happen. I need to do a few things behind the scenes. So look out for that. Um, why? Seems to be personality so I'm not quite sure why, but you know, just to keep building the audience. So um, I'm going to do that. So check that out. Uh, if you want to become a patron of the show, go to bevanjamesisles.com. It's all pretty obvious. I must say, if you want to take on the BCD challenge, which is the Bevan challenge with Donald's help, um, commit. Really commit. I want to get an email from you two weeks from now sharing more insight that we can add your letter to the name of this challenge. Guys, um, if you enjoy the show, spread the word. If, you, if you're on iTunes, chuck a review in there. Um, yeah, I, I love that you guys give me the opportunity to do this work. I really do. Um I want to be someone who, who who can think and help people, and this show makes me be that person. So appreciate your work, guys. Appreciate the supporters. Keep up the good work, guys. I'll see you in a couple of weeks with that interview of Anders, which, again, I'm very excited about. See you guys then.